We're going to be reading from Matthew 9. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought in to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who'd been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Hello. Okay, there we go. All right. I could have yelled the whole time. I promise you. I don't need a mic. That's for you, not for me. Um, it's actually for me, so I don't get tired because I would do it. Um, I don't know how I'm supposed to preach after that, to be honest. Um, we doing all right? All right. Let's go. We got the snaps going. Um, like I said, we are in week two, so we're just kind of dipping our toes in the water of this healing series. And as I say that, I just know that there's a whole spectrum of people in the room. Some of you are a first-time visitor, and you're like, I didn't know it was that kind of church. You didn't tell me that. Welcome to the party. That's what I'm going to keep saying. But there's, there's a spectrum of us when we hear that phrase or that word or this topic, healing. There's a whole spectrum of us. There's some that are eager, full of expectation, full of faith, just want me to sit down right now so we can get to the healing. Okay, That's where some of us are. Can we heard the testimony, just sit down and get out of the way so we can pray. But some of us are anxious, wondering where we are going with this series. Maybe some skeptical, maybe the only thing when you hear healing is you just are, you have the faith healers, the ones who are rolling around in their PJs, and you're thinking, I don't want to touch that, and I want to say we don't either, so we're good. But some of us are just afraid. There's fear. Afraid to hope again. Afraid to consider something that has let you down already. There's a spectrum of us. And there's a bunch of us that are right in between. We're like, I'm anxious one minute. The next, I think maybe this is real. And the next, I'm like, I don't think so. And we're all back and forth. That's where most of us are. And wherever you are on that spectrum, I just want to invite you this morning to just consider consider Jesus. Is that okay? <laughs> Can I Jesus juke you in minute three of the sermon? Because that's all I'm really going to do today. I'm not going to have a lot of nuance. I'm not going to kind of try to hit you with a bunch of disclaimers. I'm just going to look at who Jesus reveals himself to be. So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray. I got a couple more things I was going to intro, but I'm just going to skip those. Um just thankful for who you are, Lord. 
the psalmist would say that they would ask and they would pray that you would open our eyes that we might see great things in your word. And that's what we ask this morning. I don't have anything new to say. I don't have anything that hasn't been said before. And we don't even need more information today, but we, we need you by your spirit to open our eyes to see. So even, even on us this morning, would you, would you draw close, touch our eyes, and restore our sight that we might see the beauty and the reality of who you are, Lord? Amen. Amen. All right. That was not the neat, tidy, cleaned-up version of the intro that I, I would pr- prefer, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways, as Jesus went on from there, that's where the passage starts this morning, and it leaves us to ask the question, where is Jesus coming from? And well, I'll just tell you, Jesus has had a busy day up to this point. He's kind of performed what some would say just a nice little double healing, okay? So he was on his way to heal Um, a synagogue leader's daughter, and on the way, he just happened to heal someone who had chronic pain for 12 years, and it says that as he went on from there, a couple of blind guys come up to him. It says, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And so these guys somehow have, have heard about what Jesus is doing, the message or the stories have made their way into their life in such a way that it compels them to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on us as well. Which is what healing stories do, by the way. Healing in the Gospels always begets more healing. That's why we're doing these testimonies. Revelation 19, it says this, it says that the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, which is just a full Pentecostal verse, right? Like, that's just like the Pentecostal, that's just like, if you're in that camp, you love Revelation 19, and if you are not familiar with this verse, it's because you didn't grow up in a Pentecostal camp, okay? This is just a Pentecostal verse up in here. Yeah, Pentecostal in the back. What are you doing back there, bro? Come on. You belong up here. But, but all, all that passage means, all, all that means is that when you hear a testimony of Jesus, and that's what it is, a testimony of Jesus, of what he has done, what it does is it it has a prophetic ability to to help you believe that that is possible for you. Literally meaning, if he did it for you, (laughs) he can do it for me too. That's what a testimony of Jesus, much of our own faith journeys are a witness to someone's testimony, right? And the same thing is true with healing. That's why we're doing these things. It stirs up our faith to go to Jesus again and ask with some sort of expectancy. And that's what we see these blind men do. They hear about these healings, they follow Jesus, and they just cry out for that same mercy to be poured out on them. Son of David, have mercy on us. Which is an interesting way that they approach Jesus, by the way. Son of David. Son of David is this clear-cut title for the Messiah. So they're already relating to Jesus in a proper way. They're already saying, this must be the one, the king, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. And then they approach him as he is due, and then they pray this long, profound, impressive prayer, right? No, they don't. They don't. They just pray, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us, which is beautiful and simple and seems to be the kind of prayers that the Lord loves the most, the simple ones. But it also has another intrinsic 
motivation in mind. They appeal not according to their own faith, but they appeal to the mercy of Jesus, which is what moves Jesus, is his mercy. Mercy synonymous with the word compassion, and compassion being the word that both starts and ends the story. This is where healing begins and it ends with his compassion. These guys appeal to Jesus, not based on their own faith, but on his mercy, which is interesting because Jesus actually, they don't even say anything about their faith, but Jesus does. And it seems to be the thing he's almost always doing, right? Let me just read it. He says, do you believe I can do this? They're like, yes, Lord, we think. He says, then according to your faith, let it be done to you. So, I mean, just think about that for a second. He says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Basically saying, if you have faith, I will do it, which makes us extremely uncomfortable, doesn't it? Our faith and how it's mixed up in healing, I'm just reading what it says. Faith and healing are deeply connected. It is peppered through the Gospels. I mean, the centurion is praised for his faith. The woman who touches his robe, Jesus looks at her and says, it's your faith that has made you well. To the blind beggar, he says the same thing, and that's just a handful of examples. There are two times in the gospel narratives where you actually see Jesus, it says that he's astonished, that he's amazed. Two stories. One is that centurion. He's a Roman official. He's a Roman guard. He has one of his workers is sick and hurting and unable to work, and he comes to them, he comes to Jesus, and he's like, look, bro, I know how authority works. I tell this dude, go where you want, and he does it. And so you just say the word, and he'll do it. And it actually Jesus was astonished at his faith. He was amazed at the centurion's faith. The other time Jesus is astonished, he's amazed, is at his hometown. He goes back into his hometown, and he's preaching and teaching, and it says that he was actually astonished at their unbelief or their lack of faith. They had become so familiar with Jesus. I'm just going to read what it says, that he could do no great work there. Our faith and healing, as uncomfortable as it makes us, they're deeply, deeply connected. But what's interesting about every single one of these stories, and I looked at them, none of the people who approach Jesus ever say a word about their own faith. (laughs) They, ne- they never even are like worried or consumed or probably even aware of their own faith, of how good it is or low it is. They, they don't even know because they're, 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 Jesus praised their faith, but they're not aware of it because they're just aware of him. They are just aware of Jesus. They're not consumed with their idea of faith or what it might be. I mean, I almost think of some of these stories and I'm like, I mean, even, even these guys, he's like, let it be according to your faith. They're like, oh, that's what that was. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was faith. Because, let me just say really simply, faith as a concept is not about faith. You know what never works? Me standing up here telling you, you need to have more faith, okay? Has that ever worked for anybody ever in their entire life? No, it doesn't work. Because faith isn't about you trying to stir something up, isn't it about yourself, trying to make yourself believe more. Faith is about just seeing Jesus. People who, Jesus praises their faith, all they did was approach him, see him, look at him. And what that did is it, their response that was natural to seeing Jesus as he is, is faith. It's why when you're in a worship gathering, even as we've been singing, some of you, our faith grows. It's not because we've hit the right chord at the right time and that does something. No, it's when you, we're starting to see Jesus clearly. 
Our entire life is us being fogged and clouds in front of us, blocking us from seeing the glory of the God and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And yet when we just when those things begin to look away, we start to see what is possible in our lives, who he actually is, and it begets healing. Faith comes not by trying to have more faith, but by looking at Jesus. That's what happens in this story, doesn't it? I mean, can you just imagine for a moment? I love Bissy's story because it's the same thing, but can you imagine? I mean, I mean, sometimes we read these stories we're like, cool, there's Jesus just being Jesus, another healing. Where's he off to to heal next? You know, like it's just like what we expect from him. But just like put yourself in this story of these men for a little bit. I mean, they woke up for the 30th year of their life, who knows how old they were, and they saw darkness like they had every single day of their life. And they just throw themselves on Jesus, have mercy on us, Lord. And he draws close to them. He walks close. He puts his hands on their eyes. He pulls his hands away. And in a moment, I mean, they see colors. They see shapes. And maybe better than anything else, they just see the face of Jesus looking at them. But not only that. I mean, I mean, I mean just think about, think about how hard it would be as a blind person in the first century to have work and to have a job. All of a sudden, they got jobs. They can, I can work now. I can do. I mean, there's, there is breakthrough in every single area of their life from this place. They can get jobs. They can work, let alone the, the social outcast that a blind person would be seen as in these days. You are a sinner. Not in the way that we say sinner, but a sinner in the way that you are outcasted from society. You are no longer allowed in the community of these people because we have deemed you as bad and wrong. Your life steeped with shame. But in a moment, they walk up into this synagogue with their eyes open saying, I'm here today. I'm here. We're good. Can you believe that? Amazing. It's a whole life change. It's life transformation. It's not just about a moment or doing cool stuff, but it's about him transforming lives, which is what he does. And this is where the story kind of takes a weird twist for me, though, at least for me. Because I'm used to us being like, you experience Jesus, and then you go tell everybody about Jesus. But Jesus does this thing where he (laughs) heals people, He's like, hey, by the way, um, don't tell anybody about this, okay? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, and these guys just blow it, by the way. They just go and tell everyone. It, it doesn't even skip a verse. They're like, he told them sternly. He said sternly. I mean, he just looks at I me. Mean, it wasn't even like, hey, guys, if you, know, if you don't mind trying not to tell me. He looks at them. He's like, don't tell anybody. I'm like, oh, can't help it. We got to tell everyone, you know, which is a little funny because we live in a world where it's like everybody's always telling us to tell everybody about Jesus, and it's really hard, and we don't tell anybody, <laughs> And here he's telling us not to tell everybody. I don't know. Is he trying to reverse psychology? Maybe. Maybe that's what we should start doing. Don't tell anybody. You know, I just winked for the middle row. Maybe you'll do it. Maybe we'll start doing it. But what does that say? He- healing is the thing. Like when we experience him, we can't help but talk about it. I mean, these guys in town, they're like, hey, man, how are you guys? Uh, okay, I got to tell you. Like I-, I couldn't see yesterday. Now I, can- I mean, can you imagine? But so much of our even faith sharing is caught up in us trying to transfer information and trying to say the right thing. It's, but when you experience Jesus, when he has healed you, you can't not talk about it. That's why you bump around into Bissy and you're just like, ah, oh, Bissy's got another story for me. You know, that's, that's the kind of, but that's it. It's not hard. It just overflows. That's the life that we were invited into. Where we're healed, delivered, restored, saved, all these things, they just flow out of us. Can't help but talk about it. I love that. Not only that, look at what it says about Jesus. 
I mean, we can, we can get theological here, and I can talk about the messianic secret and how all these things, and it's not the right time and the right situation, but, but then it makes me think, like, then why did he heal them in the first place if it wasn't in line with what he wanted to do? Why is he even healing them in the first place? If he's not wanting them to go tell anybody, then probably don't heal them, Jesus. Like, you have foreknowledge, you know? Like, you get it. You're smart. Why heal them? Well, one is because Jesus fundamentally is a healer. It's just who he is. It's what he does. I have an old mentor who, when I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, he would try to tell me, he'd say, Cam, well, what are your ING words? Anybody, anybody ever have anybody tell you that? No? All right, well, let me give you a little life coaching advice from the pulpit this morning, okay? Uh, he talked about my ING words. He's like, what are, the, what are the things that you enjoy doing, ING? Okay, there it is. You know, so for me, it was like relating, communicating, hanging out, uh, golfing, you know, like those are the things I enjoy doing. Those are my ING words. You cannot read the Gospels and not think that one of Jesus' primary ING words is healing. <laughs> it's what he does. It's what he does. Most days you feel like, what's Jesus up to today? Well, um, re- read the Gospels, he's, he's healing. Even in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all these compilations of the stories and the life of Jesus, they, they, they zoom in on specific stories and on specific teachings. But then they zoom back out and they give these kind of summary statements of what he's been doing, like the Cliff Notes version for us, people like me in school, you know, like, okay, got that one, but what is he, generally speaking, what's he been up to? I'm just going to read some of them. This is just from Matthew. Jeremy read a handful of them last week, but I'm just going to keep reading them. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, Matthew chapter 4. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, Jesus healed them all. Matthew chapter 8, summary statement. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Matthew 9, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Matthew 15, one more. There's, there's other ones too, but I'm just giving you four. A vast crowd brought to him of people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. And they laid before them, and Jesus healed them all. I mean, summary statements of what Jesus was up to. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and he was healing and casting out demons. That's what he was doing. Basically, every summary statement. Francis McNutt, in his book, Healing, which is if you're looking to like read on this, I would just say this is probably one of, the, this is one of my favorite books on healing. But he notes this. He says of the 1,257 narrative verses in the Gospels, come on math people, you're hype on this. 1,257 verses in the Gospels, 484 of them are devoted to describing Jesus' healings. So 38.5%. Yeah, some of you already knew that. You're like, 38, that's probably right. Yeah. 38.5%. That's more than a third of what the, the gospel writers felt like was important to communicate about the Son of God. 38.5% was healing. Healing. I mean, just think about this for a second. Think about even the things that Jesus says about himself. He says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians 2 says that in Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. And God, choosing to reveal himself in the person of Jesus, 
one third of the time is doing it through healing. What does that tell you about him? His character, his nature, his intentions. He is a healer. He takes things that are broken and fragmented and not as they are, and he makes them right and whole again. That is what he does. That's what he does. So why does he heal these guys? One, he's just a healer. That's what he does. But two, and even deeper than this, is a whole other reason. Right? And some of us, we've been taught that Jesus, he heals primarily just to prove his divinity to us. That he's, he's wanting to prove that he is God and that is why he heals. Which is true. And it's also not true because <laughs> of the rest of the Bible. The problem with that is that a lot of other people did healings with no claim to be God at all. Even in the Old Testament, from Elijah to Elisha to Moses to Abraham and Sarah to Hezekiah in 1 Kings 3, there's plenty of healings up to this point, none of whom are saying, it's because I'm God. But it's God doing what he's always done. I mean, in this story, it almost seems to be the opposite, doesn't it? <laughs> he is not doing this healing to prove that he's God. I mean, it's almost like this healing bubbles out of him. He's not even trying to. It's not, it's not about productivity or effectiveness or trying to prove himself. But his heart is moved by compassion. Let me say it this way. If there's one thing I really want you to hang on to this morning, is that Jesus heals because he loves. He heals because he loves. Shout out Brandon Lake in that song that he sings. He heals because he loves. I mean, isn't that constantly what we see in the Gospels? Matthew 14, he says he went ashore, saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. It doesn't just say what he does. It says why he does what he does. It is compassion. And then he healed the sick. In our passage, it's a summary of how Jesus felt when he looked at crowds. He saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word compassion, as Jack Deere says, is derived from the word womb. He says God feels about his people the way a mother feels about her unborn baby. She has tender longings for that baby and would die to protect her child. Like a mother carrying her child, God longs for his helpless children and is moved by our pains. Compassion, others would say, means to suffer with someone. Healing prayers, by the way, always come from us suffering alongside somebody. When you suffer with people, your heart longs for their healing, doesn't it? We need to see the face of Jesus in his compassion even before we see it in his healing. He's not praying through just like, all right, it's what I do, let me just tap him. But he prays through eyes that have cried tears with us. That even this morning, if there's nothing else you see, you should see the eyes of Jesus with tears in them. There's some things that you can't see unless you've cried, right? But Jesus has seen it all, and it's what moves him into more healing. And I just wonder if that's how we relate to Jesus. I mean, I tend to think for most of us, it's not actually the faith or the belief in the power that he can do these things, but it's if he wants to. I mean, for some of us, it's not if he can, we believe that, but it's wrestling with the fact that he actually loves us and might want to. I mean, even in this room, we, we say, Jesus can heal, but does he, what about, what about my story? The power of Jesus kind of makes sense. I get that. But the love that moves him to do so is what we really wrestle with. 
I mean, even if we're honest, most of our own questions around healing are not around his alleged ability to do so, but around why he doesn't if he can and if I can trust him if he doesn't, right? It's why I love the way Paul prays in all of his letters. <laughs> even in Ephesians 3, it's so fa- Ephesians 3 is so fascinating, this prayer that Paul breaks into. I mean, on my heading, I don't know about your Bible, on my heading it says, prayer for spiritual strength. <laughs> and then the prayer ends with this, like, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all we ask, think, or imagine. I mean, it seems like it should just be this prayer that is dripped in faith and power, but it's not. I mean, Paul, after some of his best theological work in the whole New Testament, breaks into this prayer where he says, he asks God to strengthen us with power through God's spirit in our inner being so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. And then he prays that we'd be rooted and established in love. And then this is, this is what I love. He says that we might have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people, power, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Let I me mean, just think about that. Of all the things Paul prays for in this moment, he knows it's what we struggle with the most. <laughs> to believe the love of God, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of it. And we need to see healing, not just as a manifestation of his power primarily, but actually a manifestation of his love. Jesus heals out of the overflow of his love. He heals because he loves. And he loves to encounter us with his love. Even this morning, we're doing a prayer time beforehand like we do every single Sunday morning. We had somebody come in. I didn't ask for permission, so I'm not going to say her name. But somebody came in to the prayer gathering and just started crying, saying, I'm just experiencing, I just have a testimony. I'm experiencing God's love right now, and I haven't been seeking him. I haven't been praying. I haven't been doing anything. Some of you, that's what it was in worship this morning. You felt just his love permeating into your heart because that's what he does. That's what he does. That's what we pray for all the time, that the Lord would encounter you with his love. And one of the ways he does that is through healing, is he heals us. And every healing story basically comes down to two things. An awareness of our need and just an awareness of his love, an awareness of Jesus. An awareness of our own need. Nobody has ever had an encounter with Jesus without it. Story after story, it's people from every background and history bringing their biggest places of shame, their deepest wounds and pain, and putting it at the feet of Jesus. I mean, it's so hard to experience the, the healing love and power of Jesus without an awareness of our own need. I mean, so many of these healing stories are moments, not of people feeling great about themselves, but moments of quiet, silent desperation. And we all need healing, don't we? No one hears this and is like, if you're hearing this message this morning, it's not like, ah, that'd be great for them, you know? All of us feel that deep, intrinsic awareness of our own need. There's an awareness of our need and there's an awareness of Jesus, the one who heals and the one who loves. And so even this morning, if you're okay, I'm going to just lead us into a little prayer time. The worship team, if you can come back up, close that Bible, will the thrill. Thanks, my boy. But if you would, if you just want to close your eyes, you can open up your hands. Some of you are like, this is really one of those churches. 
But I just want to walk us through a passage that is so, so beautiful. Hebrews chapter 4. The author says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I just want you to imagine right now where Jesus is. We, we don't have to wonder. He's on his throne. He's seated on the throne. Ruling, reigning above everything. I just want you to imagine going to his feet right now. And the passage says that we don't have to have fear when we do that or timidity. But there is a confidence that we have as we approach his throne. That you don't have to be afraid of how he's going to react or respond to you. And I just want you to consider what, what is it? What is your time of need this morning? We have confidence to approach his throne in our time of need and receive mercy and grace. That's a promise. And so what is your need this morning? What is your time of need? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe there is a story about your body that is not working in the way that you want to. And I just want you to put it at the feet of Jesus. And so, Lord, we do that right now. We come into your presence. We come to your throne where you rule and reign above all things. And yet you get down in the dirt with us and you look in our eyes and you cry the tears with us and we give you our needs, Lord, whatever that is in this room. And Jesus, we ask that you would release healing on us this morning. That you would heal anxiety in this place. Even suicidal ideation or depression, Lord, we ask that you would heal it in the name of Jesus. Whatever things we carry in our hearts, Lord, we ask that you would reveal your love to us through your healing power this morning, Jesus. Speak to us. Help us to hear your voice. Those of us who feel like you are disappointed in us, would you restore your face to us? Would you restore the joy of our salvation to us? Come, Lord, continue to speak. Amen. Amen.